Hello, friends. I'm Jordan Rich, and this is On Mike with Jordan Rich, a podcast that celebrates the art of conversation with creative people who have a lot to say and a lot to share. We welcome back a terrific writer and a great friend of mine. Her name is Erica Forensic. I love her to pieces. She's so entertaining. Her name is Erica Forensic, F-E-R-E-N-C-I-K. And if you've not read her books yet, what are you waiting for? She's the author of several bestsellers, including Into the Jungle, The River at Night, and her latest one, a chiller, every pun intended, is called Girl in Ice. I think of Erica as the modern-day James Mishner. She researches her subject matter to the nth degree, actually spending time in places like the Amazon jungle, or in the case of Girl and Ice, the iceberg-packed fjords of Greenland. She lives her own adventures and then writes about them and presents thrilling novels. So, without further ado, let's welcome back a dear friend and a great writer with her latest book, Girl and Ice. Erica Forensic, please join us on mic. First question, is it cold enough in here for you? <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> you are amazing. I love the book. It's called Thank Girl you. and Ice, as we heard in the intro. You've written some other thrillers. This one is right up there. And there's so much I want to talk to you about. First of all, uh, you're one of my favorite people. Oh, and you. I worry about you because you go <laughs> into harm's way to get all this stuff. Let's talk about uh, where the book takes place mainly in Greenland, right? Yes. Okay, so I know you've been to the jungles. I know you've been to northern Maine. And now you've you've got some time spent in Greenland. Tell us about that. Well, before I go on my research trips, I, I make sh- I, I, I've been asked many times, you know, you, you went somewhere and you got an idea. Well, that's not that's not how it works for me. I come up with the idea first because the story is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I go to the place. And this time I went to Greenland from mid-August of 2019 to mid-September of 2019. So super lucky to have gone before the world, you know, kind of blew up. And I had that opportunity. It's fabulous. Uh, did you know much about Greenland beyond where it is on the map? And I mean, I, I always think of it as a place that has some green in it. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, that's where you'd be wrong. Yes. Uh, no, Greenland, some just quick facts about Greenland. It's um, the largest island in the world. It's a third the size of Canada. It's mm. It's got this massive, massive ice cap, the largest one Next to Antarctica is larger, but has larger ice caps. But it's fifteen hundred miles uh, north to south, seven hundred miles east to west. This ice cap, and at its deepest, it's two miles deep, and it is surrounded by these massive black mountains jutting up out of the sea. It's absolutely forbidding. I believe they've filmed some movies, including a Tom Cruise sci-fi movie on... I'm serious about it, because it looks like a foreign planet. It looks like a foreign planet. And, and and I get there, and I'm prepared. I've seen pictures, and I've read many, many books at this point, because I always do that before I go on any research trip. But I just wasn't prepared for the scale of things mm. and the fact that only 56,000 people live in this place. I mean, there are community colleges with 56,000 people. Mm. So if you can imagine these tiny, tiny little towns, 150 people, mostly in the West Coast. A lot of them have to have their supplies shipped in, as, as is the case in the book, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I visited some little towns on the west side, which is even more remote, more sparsely populated. Uh, and, you know, you go to the grocery store and you can buy an apple for $7 <laughs> and it's rotting in a 
plastic. Oh I mean, God. you know, it is a subsistence culture, uh, hunting and fishing, which is something to, again, you read about it and then you go. And there's this island called the Sled Dog Island, and uh, that's they, – they don't see sled dogs as pets. They see them as property, and they don't, they don't treat them badly. They feed them and so on, but they keep them on this island uh, so that – because actually they're quite loud and they bark all the time, and mm-hmm. um, I think it's more convenient for them. Mm-hmm. Now, not all the sled dogs, but it was amazing to be going by in a kayak and seeing this island of dogs just barking and – Hmm. It's just a very different culture. Before we get into the the crux of the book, which is so interesting and so exciting, Girl and Ice, the temperatures, I joked about it as we opened (laughs) up, but how cold did it get in August and September when you were there? It was pretty temperate. I mean, it was at night 30, not bad. Okay, so it's summer there too. It's summer. I mean, there's a a 50-day, quote, growing season in Greenland where you do everything you need to do on the land before things become in you know pretty crazy. So pretty that's cold. if you're planning a trip to do research, that's the time to go. <laughs> that's the time to go. And also, now another like pretty in- intense thing to remember is that it gets completely dark by October 25th, and the sun doesn't come up till mid February. Yeah. Now that said, I mean, there's this long, long uh, period of dusk. It's very strange. I, six hours of even when it's completely dark, quote unquote, there is this six-hour period. I, I've been to Alaska. Dusk. Yeah, you been? so you, yeah. yes. So uh, only on a vacation trip, and it, yeah. it's a, it's really eerie, and it does yeah. play with your mind a little bit. It does, it, and the colors, and just the the. I mean, water is amazing. The shapes that it can take on, mm. the forms that it can take on, are absolutely haunting, and stunning, and weird. I mean. You said that you have an idea and a story in your head before you reach out and take that big adventure. The book is called Girl in Ice, and that says a lot, right? Because there's a girl in ice that we're going to talk about. (laughs) But uh, was was that part of your adventure? Because you talk about the, uh, somewhere in the notes, the turtle that you noticed. And this will tie into the title. It will. Well, you know, I I just wrote a piece called The I think I'm calling it five fascinations that led to the story. I'm not want to talk about another one too, but the the real spark for the story was I was walking behind my house, lucky enough to have woods back there, and there was this there's, and this was like I don't know winter of 2018, and there was a frozen pond, and on the edge of the pond there were three juvenile painted turtles, and they were mid-stroke frozen like this, you know, and. I know it's radio. You can't see me make the form You're of doing frozen the turtles. Stroke I'm frozen doing for, for, uh, <laughs> imitation. Move. It's quite amazing, but um, and, but they they, I couldn't tell if they were dead or alive. They looked both. So I I ran home and Googled everything that could freeze and thaw it alive. And there are quite a number of things, animals, crocodiles, some species of crocodiles, iguanas. People are talking about that right now. That can. Freeze, or at least go into a very, you know, almost ve- vegetative like a stasis, stasis m- mode. Right. Yeah, uh, there are beetles, certain beetles, certain caterpillars, uh, certain Arctic fish that can freeze. And I mean, you, you know, the ice cores. Uh, well, I should say certain lichens and plants. A hundred thousand years old, they've found, and they've 
thaw them out, put them under a heat lamp, and boom, it, they It's start not glowing. science fiction. It's no, real. It's not. That's what we're it's saying. Not. I mean, if you, you, the movie The Thing, where yeah. some alien uh, they thaw out after a million years, but this is this is real. <laughs> this is real nature. So, hence the uh, the application of the mm-hmm. title, which involves. Well, let, let me back up. I don't want to give away every plot point. I would never do that. But no, I, I just want to talk about some of the fun things that you discover. This is a thriller, by the way, from A to Z. And your main character is a is another woman. She's a real woman. I say that because she's got flaws and she's got issues. Yeah. But she's also brilliant. What does Val, our, our heroine, do for a living? She's a linguist, and she is a master of dead Nordic languages, and also she's quite fluent in many different languages. And so she is called upon by Wyatt, who is the researcher that was with her brother in the climate research station a while back. Um, well, I first I should say I can just say the basic plot. Okay. Okay. Uh, just because I'm, I'm share sure with us leading what, into it. So share with well. us what you feel comfortable sharing. Okay. With us. Okay. Absolutely. So the story is about Val. Val is an American linguist who is tasked to go to an extremely remote climate research station off the coast of Greenland, where a girl has been found in the ice in a glacier. She, she's thought out alive, speaking a language no one understands. That's sort of mm. a thriller element. The other element that's important to know is that Val's brother Andy was a climate scientist, and he worked with Wyatt at this facility. And one night, eight months previous to the story beginning, uh, Andy walked out into 50-degree below temperatures and froze to death. Now, Andy was a depressed person very concerned about climate change, very deeply, deeply concerned and deeply upset about it. So speculation is that he killed himself, but that's not proven. So so Val, who has a pretty profound uh, climate, climate anxiety yeah, disorder, yeah. Uh, has to overcome that. And she is used to saying no to all these research trips, you know, these great trips she's offered to Peru, to China, but she's too anxious to mm. leave her small world. But then she gets this email from, from Wyatt that says, this girl has been found. She's alive. I really think you're the one who can decipher her. Mm. And so Val has to finally comes to the conclusion that maybe she can do something that's valuable in the living world you know maybe she can do something that's not that she doesn't value her translations but something that's real uh and you know has a is urgent (laughs) it's such a compelling kind of character study because male or female readers it doesn't matter you you understand and empathize with what it must feel like to be that anxious and you know she's popping uh, Vicodin, whatever she's popping, <laughs> yeah. uh, and and drinking a lot because mm-hmm. she's just trying to get through the day, yeah. and then you transport this woman and she goes, you know, grudgingly to yeah. a place <laughs> that's hell on earth for some people. It's fascinating. Uh, let's talk about the language part of it sure. because uh, obviously there's a lot of uh, discussion about translation about different languages and so forth. You had to bone up on this stuff. I mean, you you know English darn well, but. <laughs> I didn't know you had any Inuit. I in have you. my days. <laughs> I have my days with English. Uh, I had to come up with. Yeah, I mean, I don't. 
Let's put it this way. Uh, I went to Greenland. I spoke to Greenlandic people through interpreters. I interviewed people. Uh, very complex language. Mm. Extremely different from ours. And so, but I, and what I had to do for the story was come up with the language for Sigrid. Sigrid is the is the little girl. Sigrid is the little girl who right. who's thawed from the ice alive, and uh, I, I it needed to sound, you know. Once I got it, I thought, oh, that was pretty obvious, but it's not obvious. Like I was trying to make a language that sounded Nordic, but was not Nordic, um, mm. and so I had to tread a strange. Well, the reader buys into it because we don't know. It <laughs> yeah. sounds legitimate, but the thing that was fascinating to me was. How Val communicates with this little girl who's sort of back from the dead yeah. without any j- – just clues yeah. that, that normally you'd have. Although I was – I kept thinking, here we are all wearing masks, right? So you can't yeah. see lips move. Yeah. When you can read somebody's face mm-hmm. as she does and get the, the emotional connection, that really does help. It, do, it did. And, and, and in the beginning, though, the girl is so traumatized. Yeah. She's freaking out. She's – Terrified. Imagine waking up, and in a completely different environment. Where are my parents? Wearing different clothes, and she's not only you know terrified, but she's kind of furious because she what the hell? Well, she, you know? she's she's uh, averse to taking a bath. Of averse course. to taking a bath. Eating and f- eating food that we prepare for her. It's just it's just bizarre. <laughs> and she and she so and she's never seen a computer before. She's never you know so. Um, and Val is, it has there's no base in her language in any known mm. or mm. even ancient uh, Nordic languages that Val can find. So it wasn't until in the story Sigrid starts to understand that unless she communicates she doesn't know who to trust i mean and you you can, i can we can figure out a language together but unless you want to talk to me mm. i'm not you're not going to talk to me yeah and those you breakthrough I mean? moments that ultimately occur you know are big moments in the book big yeah. moments they might seem like little moments in real life to anybody but in the book they matter because you know she's yeah. finally making connect connection she's making drawings but the drawings are not accurate and they can be interpreted in many different ways. So. Well, there's a there's an element of sleuthing here that oh, yeah. that you obviously love to do and, yeah. and create these puzzles for people to try mm-hmm. to figure out. And uh, at the same time, there's an, um, I will say it, a villainous yeah. streak sure. in some of these characters sure. too. Yeah, Wyatt is, um, he's meant to be someone who could you could interpret either way. And then when you even do figure out he's the villain, you think, what is he really going to do here, too? And, and part of it, to me, always comes back to the um, the loneliness, mm-hmm. the solitary sense, and the going a little nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, he, he, I mean, he's been in this remote climate research station for close to two years right. with just one other person, and that person uh, is a middle-aged woman named Jean, who has her... And a lot of this story is about different kinds of grief and how people deal with it. And, you know, Jean is a middle-aged woman. She's stopped taking care of herself. She has lost her 
husband and daughter in a car crash, and she answered an ad for to be a cook and a machinist in this remote place. And, you know, she has her own agenda after a while. Well, that's what's so. what's true about a, a novel like this, and it's so compelling, is that everyone has a story, a storyline. Yeah. Yeah. And not to get into structure too much, but is, is that something that evolves for you uh, as you're going along with a lesser main character? Oh, you know, I'm going to develop this story because it makes sense. Or how, right. how does that work? Oh, it's it's a bear. It's really hard. <laughs> a polar bear in this It's story. a polar bear. It's an ice bear which is what they're called there. Um, well, first, you know, when I think of an idea for a novel, I think of a couple of ideas a week, but they they usually suck, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's really hard to think of an idea, but then the, the hardest thing is to choose the right one. And you need to choose one that, you know, I need to choose one that I is good for me to write, that I know enough about or I can do enough research to accomplish. Um, people have asked me, who are you in the story? Are you Val? Are you Jean? I'm all of these mm. people. Mm. You know, I, I have my own evil side. I have my greedy side. I have my loving side. My, you know, um, so, so anyway, just coming up with ideas. I do, once I land an, on an idea... I taffy it out a little bit. I do your, you know, your sort of typical three act structure work on it. But then I spend three months on an outline hmm. because writing a book is no less complicated than, say, building a house. And you don't build a house with. I don't build a house without a blueprint. I would end up with a pile of wood and some windows lying around in a ditch. I mean, I don't know how people do it and say, you know, I'm a pantser. I just write by the seat of my pants. That's fascinating because you know. I'm thinking about all the reviews of films and television shows, different genre I know. That's right. And the biggest complaint, and I <laughs> have this complaint too, is it doesn't make sense. It does. Why would this yeah. person do that? Yeah. Why didn't it get explained? What a, now, it doesn't mean you have to use exposition throughout, but right. I love the fact that everything in this book happens sort of for a reason. You don't know why. And the reactions make sense, ultimately. And yeah. I think that's what you're saying. You have to plan this stuff out. Well, there's no magic to that. There's just, you know, writing is thinking. I was talking yesterday talking about this, you know, writer's block, for example. Well, I don't quite believe in writer's block because you need to think more. You're not coming up with it because it's not the well, it's not the making of the words on the paper. Mm. It's thinking things through, you know, and um, coming up with yeah, I mean, there's something that's going to be in chapter 84. Well, you better maybe set that up in chapter three. Uh, that's... Otherwise, you're just screwing yourself. I that's, mean, and you're, that's why you're hitting the mark with this one as you have with the other ones because what happened in chapter two has a big impact in chapter 40 and that when that happens, the reader goes, oh, cool. Yeah, as opposed to, what, what the hell is going on here? I, I know. know. I mean, you set up a promise to the reader. The reader's yeah. giving you their most precious thing. That's not the 30 bucks. That's not a lot of money. I get it, but it's your their time, you know? Yeah. And if you're a slow reader as I am, it can be weeks. You know, I'm just like, you know, why am I going to give this... This, this this author my time I'm getting older time is precious to me you know and there's another thing that I wanted to ask you about and yeah. I don't know if this is something you sort of added color to or if it's a real thing and that's this whipping wind that comes oh. up that kills people and freezes them in their tracks <laughs> that got me a little concerned you know when I oh. left the house that morning and it was 15 degrees <laughs> you, 
can, Especially now, it's so windy. I know, but what, what, so there are these winds. They're called catabatic winds. They're all over the world. They refer to winds that develop with great temperature changes or gradient changes, as is the case in Greenland. In Greenland, they're called pitteracks, and they and they flow down from the from the glaciers, and they can go up to 200 miles an hour and incredibly cold. Now, we're, we don't live on glaciers, so we don't experience that, you know. But they exist and have been clocked and, and you know, recorded. Um, so I guess really there are sort of two speculative elements in the book. It's the girl that has thought out alive, which, you know, we can't do. We can't freeze and thought out alive. You freeze you freeze a cell. You freeze anything. And if you freeze water, it becomes jagged. It becomes mm. ice, and it will cut through the cell. So... Um, but so there is that speculative element and the other one is well maybe there are a few more uh, is this thing I'm calling an ice wind and I feel like you know it's not too far from possibility that no, something I, I, could happen. No, hypothermia can happen in, in yeah, a lot less absolutely. harsh condition than that. Absolutely. So I thought that would be a weird step in climate change, you know, the, the, the perils of climate change that might be coming for us, you know, kinds of things are going to happen. We don't know. We don't know. But, yeah. When you're, I, when you're there in the summertime, yeah. do you have to be aware that ice is melting and oh, could God. chip off and, yeah. and mm. really ruin your day? Could really ruin your day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, did, I took a trip uh, during this trip uh, in a kayak with other people. And a guide, and and was just appreciating my kayak. I'm in this modern kayak. You know, kayaks were invented in Greenland, mm. and they were originally made from whale ribs and seal skins, and they were made so perfectly to the hunter that fit in them. And the hunter's anorak was sewn usually always by women, and it had to be sewn so perfectly that he fit in his kayak. And so if he flipped, it was waterproof. Because mm. if not, you, you're dead. You're it's, dead. It's so incredible. But Here we yeah. are. We live in multi-structure, steel, concrete, yeah. and every convenience. And then mm. you, you go there as you went to Greenland, and you realize these people are surviving, and they don't have an issue with what they're doing. No. They just do what they have to do. Yeah. So I'm there with the other people in the kayak in my own kayak, and we're going. We went to this place called the, the Iceberg Graveyard. Oh, that sounds great! Oh my god, that sounds like a, a outing that I'd like to take on. I don't know. Let me tell you about it first. <laughs> <laughs> so at this, this so we're in a fjord, and a fjord is just a super, super deep. Everything is the it's super deep water. The mountain goes down into the water and way like half a mile yeah, deep. Yeah, huge. And this water is like. Denim blue, 30 degrees. Um, and we are floating among these mat, and because of sea currents and various reasons, these massive 15 story icebergs <laughs> like floating in this in this fjord. And the shapes, I mean, they're carved by wind and waves into mm. these shapes like monsters or crazy looking cathedrals or just weird textures and we are going among them and I said well what if one of them should split or calve and and my guide said 
Well, if that happens, you need to turn toward the sound because if you don't, the wave will probably, you know, turn you over, turn us all over. So it was kind of like being in the jungle for Into the Jungle, you know. I, I When I was in Peru for a month with my guide there, I learned really quickly how important it is to shut up and listen there's to no, one's environment. Erica, yeah. there's, there's no uh, absence of importance when you talk about real-life experience, mm-hmm. right? I, I think I told you this last time you were here. You remind me, only in this regard, of the, the James Mishner style of novelist. You know, he would spend a lot of time researching yeah. and going to places and without that, you, you, there's there's an element that's missing. It's not that personal sense of what it really looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I I'm not good at a lot of things. I'm a bad cook. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any children of my own. Um, I don't. I mean, this is my love. Writing is my love, and I'm and I think that writing a a book is an act of love. You've done it. You know what, how much yeah. work it is. Yeah. It's an act of love. It's what you have to give to the world, you know. So I feel like if the setting is such a huge part of the story, I got to go there, you know, and feel it and see. And so, again, it's it's for the reader who I love. I want them to, you know, have a little escape, have a little get out of your brain, get out of your own problems and – but I think with books, we we also learn about life. If with fiction, I mean, fiction is is a way to learn about life. How would this character respond to, you know, an event? Well, would I do that? I don't know. There's there's one scene. I'll just sure sort of hazily go through it, so we don't <laughs> give it anyway. Where Val, who's already self-described as this very anxious woman, very troubled in terms of fear, you know, yeah. fear rules her life. Mm. And she's got to, let's just say, put on a wetsuit and just dip her toe, uh, metaphorically, into this frigid water. And I tell you, I was just getting chills as I was reading that. It was. Re- did you do that, by the way, at all? Did you put on a wetsuit when you were there? I did not. I did not do any under ice diving. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I tend to put things in books that I'm really terrified of. That's for sure. You know, uh, I think. I think one of the most Terrifying things to me would be to well see I don't yeah I, as brave as I think I am I I don't I don't dive I'm really a little I'm pretty scared of the water I have a healthy respect for all of nature but I mean uh, I'm with I you in the water day, thing. in the water yeah. thing there's no there's no bargaining with a lack of oxygen you know right. <laughs> you I mean I can swim but not yeah, I'm not I'm an Olympic style it. so I'm not crazy mm. about it so I'll give you a quick mm. story one time yeah. With Roberta, my wife, uh, years ago, yeah. we were uh, St. Thomas, I believe, or St. John, and she was she could swim for miles. She's wow, she's, drives me nuts. She swims. Yeah. Me, I like to wade up to my knees. Okay? Yeah, because the shark can come anyway. Anything can happen. Yeah. <laughs> so she's out there, and there's a little landing raft or whatever yeah. you call it, um, or landing dock, and she apparently she lost her sunglasses these are prescription sunglasses oh, in in oh, the water always have so i'm thinking oh that's too bad uh so she comes back gets a mask <laughs> from the beach guy oh, no. and goes back and what i do is i patrol the end of the beach you know where the water just ripples up the little waves yeah. in case it washes up Jordan, you're Somebody the best husband, I mean, in the world. To and do that. she found them, by the way. She dove and <laughs> found diving? them, you know, 15, 20 feet oh down. 
But I was just, just there to, because uh, that's my take on the water. You know, you're doing your role. That's great. I mean, just think how how dark it was down there, and those glasses probably just Exactly. You remember Jaws, right? Amazing. I'm, I'm yes, that scene. Yes, I in, do. You don't much like the water, do you, Chief? <laughs> I'm Chief Brody. I'm looking yeah. over the guy's shoulder at the shark. Um, I want to tell the audience, and many people who read the book will see the reviews, if I were you, mm. I would take this comment and tell, uh, put a billboard up in Times Square. Publishers Weekly compared you to Michael Crichton. Yeah, that, to me, would be the greatest honor because Michael Crichton yeah. was a genius storyteller, and he did a lot so, with science. That must make you feel pretty good. Makes me feel pretty good. The actual quote, was well, not that I've memorized it, <laughs> is that oh, <laughs> Erica, Erica Forensic, oh, yes, my name, outdoes... Michael Crichton and the way she mixes emotion and science. And I was like, well, you know, I can die now because here I am. I'm, you know, and I've, that's the sweetest thing I'll, I'll hear. And, and I'll go one step further. And okay. I know I love you and I know it's I'm being very biased here, but I'll go one step further. I'm a guy. You may have noticed. You're a guy. Rugged, beard, Rugged, the whole thing. Rugged, beard, whole thing. I accept the the idea that a woman can be my hero in this uh-huh. case very you know i hate it when it's when it's sort of uh lectured in my face that i have to uh, 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 welcome a woman 007 okay <laughs> i have a problem with that but i love the fact that this is a human being more so yeah. than a woman alone. yeah yeah i mean how are you going to relate to i mean there's a whole that thing about a relatable likable characters you know know, is she pretty is she funny is she this that um or any character it's a it it, you know but who relates to perfection no one does so everybody needs to and when you're when you're opening a book when you're starting to watch a movie subconsciously you're looking for the sort of moral center you're looking for yourself in the story, who am I going to follow? Yeah. Who who are, yeah. who, are, who do I care about? Who do I relate enough to right. to follow for three hundred pages yeah. for two hours? Yeah. Whatever it is, and and yeah. it's always cool too to have a hero or heroine. I'll use it interchangeably. Yeah. Who relies on smarts? In other words, yeah. you can have a beefy, you know, super the Rock, you know, right. running through, and that's great. Nothing wrong with that. But I right. love it when somebody's brain is what's going to get her out of trouble. Her brain and her, yeah, her brain and her heart and yeah. her, and her, you know, she's gone to this place. It was like be, me being in the kayak and I heard, <laughs> well, <laughs> if you hear a sound of, and it's loud, you know, they were breaking all over. They weren't breaking in front of us, thank God, I, that when I was it's, like, it's like a, you hear them and it's like gunshot over like here. Like TNT, it's huge. It's huge. I, I know Alaska. I've been to Alaska. To I've seen it and it's it's um, it's majestic. It's majestic. As long as it you're is. not underneath one. As long as you're not underneath one, <laughs> you know. Hey, uh, the book is great. It's brand new uh, as this airs, as this podcast hits. Uh, hopefully people have already discovered it. Girl in Ice. Um, people can follow you on your website, right? Yep, Which just is my name. Your my name. name. Um, yep. Erica, E-R-I-C-A, Forensic, F-E-R-E-N-C-I-K. And uh, I, I always have to ask you what's next, if you can oh. tip tip the hat a little bit. What are I, you working on? I can tip it a tiny, tiny, tiny bit. Um, the next book is called The Intelligence, and it's about nature turning on us. 
Oh, okay. So you, you could go anywhere with that. I could go, and then and that's I mean being intentionally a little bit vague at this point. Well, that's but, how you get people interested. That's yeah. okay. You can yeah. be vague with me. Yeah. We've known each other that long. Ago. I know, but I don't have a slick log line yet. But um, I'm dying to get back to it because um, all I'm doing is talking about girl and ice, which I love, but. That little voice is calling to me. Well, that little voice will uh, will certainly answer the call. It This one is terrific. I loved it. It's called Girl in Ice, Erica Forensic, a thriller, and it'll make you think and it'll make you feel. Thank you so much. Great to see Thank you. Thank you so much, Jordan. Thank you so much. It was great. Erica Forensic, Girl in Ice, and so many other great books. Go to her website again, E-R-I-C-A. Forensic is F-E-R-E-N-C-I-K, ericaforensic.com. She's one of the finest creators of modern thrillers out there, and we love her dearly. Thanks, as always, to Dan Tebow for helping us publish this and so many other podcasts. We produce it all at Chart Productions here in Boston, C-H-A-R-T, productions.com. My website, jordanrich.com, has details about my book, On Air, My 50-Year Love Affair with Radio, as well as a whole bundle of other exciting projects. And before we close out, I thank you for subscribing and downloading this podcast, telling your friends about it, and the ratings and reviews are much appreciated. Hey, till next time, this is Jordan as always saying, be well so you can do good. Take care.